Check this out, From Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 1061 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Board to Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Friday. Here, a rainy, disgusting, miserable Friday uh, before the solid weekend that is ahead. So, um, we will give you at least an hour of entertainment or at least an hour of, well, if you want to take a nap and fall asleep to me, whatever. We could do it. We could try and uh, be entertaining for the next hour, three to four, here on 1061 ESPN. Uh, Bob is on his way to Albany, so uh, it'll just be me. And then uh, you'll get uh, Freddie Coleman and Harry Douglas. We love those guys. It's been a while. We have to try and get Freddie Coleman on uh, to talk some sports with us. Maybe we'll do that uh, next week or the week after. Uh, phone number is 327-0888. That is the phone number. That is also the text line for the show if you want to get involved. However you can, if you want to uh, comment on a game this weekend, uh, you could certainly do so. If you want to comment on anything else, really, uh, we are here for you. Got a bunch of guests today. Uh, coming up at 3.15, Tim Murray will join us for his usual segment. We'll talk. Uh, we'll try and run down every championship game in college football, give you a little blurb on each of them. Uh, whether he has something or I have something, we could certainly help you out here. Um, I think the best game is going to happen tonight. Uh, I think Oregon and Washington will be the best game of the weekend. And I um, I think, obviously, the winner of this game should make the uh, the college football playoff. And um, I would love it if somehow both of them made it. But, of course, that's, not, that's just not going to happen. A Washington loss will eliminate them. But um, it's going to start the weekend of potential chaos if we get certain teams losing. So we will certainly get into that over the uh, the next hour. Uh, so as I said, Tim Murray is at 3.15. 3.30, we will talk to JoJo Marinella of Randolph-Macon as they are on their way to their game this weekend. Randolph-Macon uh, is traveling to take on Johns Hopkins. That's a noon kickoff tomorrow, the third round of the uh, uh, playoffs. And so we will talk to them as uh, they get ready for this game. They're, I think they're in the bus or whatever they're traveling with now. So JoJo will join us at 3.30 here on the show. So we're looking forward to talking to a little Randolph-Macon as uh, they continue to uh, play. First time in program history that they've made the, uh, the third round of the playoffs. They uh, made the quarterfinals back in 1984. But that was when it was an eight-team playoff. So, obviously, things were a little bit different in terms of the brackets. We'll talk a little Randolph-Macon uh, coming up around 3.30. Um, I'm still disappointed in Coach Kurt Signetti. I'm still disappointed. There's a report that came out today. He's bringing all the coordinators almost with him. Mike Shanahan, Brian Haynes, Tino Sinceri, all of them are um, going with him to to Bloomington. And I, and I understand... Um, I understand the money situation, and I I do. That doesn't mean that I still can't be frustrated with his decision. Obviously, I understand Indiana can pay Kurt Signetti much more than um, much more than anybody else can. But that doesn't mean money doesn't always mean happiness. Money doesn't always mean success. It's still it's kind of ridiculous. Um, we've seen a lot of coaches chasing money, and it just hasn't worked out. 
And so he did an interview today on on the Big Ten Network. He said that he's going to balance his time 90% towards Indiana while also coaching JMU's bowl game. So, like, here's the thing. And this is why I said it yesterday. If he wanted to leave, which clearly he did, then you're gone. Like, goodbye. If you're not going to put your focus... JMU worked all season for this bowl game. JMU worked all season for this bowl game. The people who were, you know, fighting in the in the government and stuff like that, and, and the petitions and the lawsuits that were potentially going to be sold. Like, all these people really badly wanted a bowl game for JMU. And you've got a coach who couldn't even wait until after that bowl game to go somewhere else. Now, I understand the whole... You know, the job might not have been open for him at Indiana. But here's the thing. If you're Indiana, if you're Kurt Zanetti, why not wait to announce the deal until after the bowl game? Why not? If, you, if you're if you Kurt Zanetti and you decide that you want to go to Indiana, and Indiana knows that you want to be their head coach, why, why not just wait until after the bowl game? Like, nobody's going to be searching. And Kurt can focus in on the bowl game. Because let's be honest, I mean, obviously, look, there are going to be Indiana players who may want to transfer. There's there's JMU, uh, JMU players who may want to follow him to Indiana. All that stuff could still happen. But, like, just wait until after the bowl game. Like, that's just, that's the insensitive part to me. The problem is if you said, all right, Kurt, you can't coach the bowl game because you're not going to be focused, and he takes all the assistance, then who the hell's going to co- coach the, the bowl game? I still think they're going to show up. I still want them to get a really good opponent. But I'm just, this whole thing just feels very dirty to me. feels very dirty. And I was thinking about who I want to to come in. The one thing I'll say is this. Obviously, you want to play, and and yesterday, Jeff Bourne said that he wants somebody who's going to sit at the bowl game and watch and kind of get a feel for the roster. If there's not a good enough candidate, I'm not running and rushing. This is too good of a job. I could guarantee you that plenty of people applied for this job or plenty of people expressed interest in this job. Good assistants, young head coaches. There are going to be plenty of options for this team. And so if I'm James Madison, yeah, it's nice that you have some money in place, but I want to have the right guy in place. Because JMU could turn into one of those feeder schools that we've seen VCU become in basketball, where basically you get a really good coach, he gets you a bunch of good years, and then he moves on to the group of five, uh, the power five. You know, it's funny, Temple used to be like that. The problem with being that kind of school is the first time you miss, your program goes backwards big time. You know, Temple had Matt Rule, they had Al Golden, they had um, uh, they had a couple of other guys who were pretty good. Um, uh, Steve Adazio. They had all these good coaches in a row, and they played really well. And then they hired Matt Rod Carey from Northern Illinois, and he stunk. And then he left this current guy nothing. And so, like, if you're going to go that route, you better hit every time, or else your program's going to take a step back until the next time you hit. So I have faith in the in the people that JMU are going to look into this, but um, we'll see. So far, there's a couple of people who are transferring out. Wayne Knight, the running back, Taurus Jones, the linebacker, Jalen Walker, the linebacker, Aiden Fisher, the linebacker. So that's not great in terms of uh, some of the talent that's leaving James Madison. And it once again, it's frustrating because if you think about it, 
These guys are leaving before the bowl game that they worked so hard to get there for. Which is a little frustrating. But we'll see what happens. JMU will bounce back. They've got the right people in place. I think they'll be fine. It's just this whole thing is just so dirty. It's so disgusting to me to see this go down the way it is. But, and I'm not one, and I have no problem with the transfer portal. I have no problem with NIL. Like that stuff, I have no problems with any of that stuff. This just, I wish there was a coaching freeze until after your bowl game. I wish there was a freeze. Like, I just, I don't like this. That part, I don't like for James Madison. But we'll see what happens. They'll get their bowl assignment this weekend. We'll see who's still around, who still wants to play. It is a little frustrating if these players are transferring out before the bowl game that they worked so hard to get to. Like, you couldn't wait until after the bowl game to leave? Come on. Like, I don't want to crush the kids. Because obviously it's their decision. But you worked this whole season. You wanted to be Sunbelt champions. You wanted to make a bowl game. You fought hard. You went 11-1. and won. You got your bowl game. And now you're leaving. Before you even play in that game. That's a little frustrating to me as well. But whatever. We'll see what happens. Uh, 327-0888. That is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. Um, let's take a timeout. Coming up, Tim Murray will join us. We will get his thoughts on all of the college football this weekend. Uh, we'll see where he thinks there's some value, and if there's a game he doesn't like, I'll see if I can uh, interject a little bit. So we'll talk a little college football bowl game betting, uh, championship weekend betting, excuse me. Uh, so Tim will join us next, and then we'll do a little Randolph making at 3.30. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. And uh, fun weekend coming up in college football. Of course, the Richmond Spiders. They're in action tomorrow as they're on their way to Albany. A noon kickoff. Our coverage begins at uh, 1130. They're about a seven and a half point underdog. I got them at eight, or at least I gave them out at eight. So I'm happy about that. And uh, a bunch of uh, championship games in the conference championships. And uh, I think the best ones tonight. So uh, joining us now, you can check him out on VSIN. He checks, he joins us every 315 or so on Facebook. Friday. Follow him on Twitter at one Tim Murray. Tim, what's going on? What's up, Matt? No, I'm fired up. I think tonight's going to be fun. I think uh, the atmosphere in Allegiant Stadium, based off of what I've seen so far here in town, is going to be very, very good. So uh, it's going to be a fun one tonight. Let's start out with the Pac-12 championship game. Washington was a three-point favorite at home against Oregon. They get the win. They hold on for dear life. Oregon's now a nine, nine-and-a-half point favorite in this neutral uh, field game. What's your thoughts on tonight's contest? Yeah, I mean, you just said it, right? It's 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 pretty sh- shocking to to think back to mid-October. Washington's a slight favorite at home. They win, and now they're a nine-and-a-half-point underdog on the road here. I think Oregon wins. Uh, do I want to lay nine-and-a-half? No. Have I laid nine-and-a-half? No. Um, so, you know, that's where I'm rolling. Um, I, I have a Bo Nix ticket, 30-1 to one to win the Heisman Trophy. I uh, haven't decided what I want to do there. Uh, I do know that... Uh, the LSU folks put up a Jaden Daniels billboard today in Las Vegas. I haven't seen it in person, but we will uh, we will see. But uh, you know, it's just it feels like Matt. These are two teams going in different directions, despite the fact that Washington is twelve and zero. I just I think this number's gotten a little too far, uh, and that's why we saw buyback today. It was up at ten, and uh, and then we saw some uh, some Washington money come in and hit the market. But uh, no play for me. I think Oregon wins. So if you want to throw Oregon in a money line parlay, if you want to do like 
Oregon, Texas, Toledo or something like that, or Oregon, Texas, Michigan. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that, but uh, no play for me on this one. I saw somebody say, and it's for people outside of our state because we can't bet this, if you like Oregon tonight, take Bo Nix to win the Heisman because he's probably the reason why they would win tonight and that would give him the award. Yeah, and I think it's it's a fair way to look at it because the money line price uh, for this game is around three forty to three fifty, and Bo Nix to win the Heisman is like minus one seventy. Obviously, is there a situation where Bo Nix wins or Oregon wins and Bo Nix doesn't win the Heisman? Sure, he could throw some interceptions. It could be more of a defensive, ugly game. But I think the way that he's been playing lately, uh, I thought on Friday night last week he played maybe his best game of the year against Oregon State. He was incredibly clean. Um, you know, I heard this stat from uh, I think it was Colin Wilson over at the Action Network say that Bo Nix has three turnover-worthy plays all year. I mean, he has really been good. The system is 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 really nice up there in Eugene. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't push back on anyone who said if you wanted to cheapen up. Uh, you know, you wanted to bet tonight, but you didn't really want to play Oregon uh, on the point spread or on the money line. I think Bo Nix to win the Heisman, if you have zero dog in the fight so far, uh, might be a way to go. Sure. All right. Liberty in New Mexico State in Lynchburg tonight, 7 o'clock. New- Liberty, a healthy favorite. They already won this game once, but New Mexico State has been uh, quite the team as of late. How about this? So New Mexico State lost at Liberty on September 9th, right? 33 to 17. Since then, New Mexico State is 10 and 0 ATS and Liberty is 10 and 0 straight up at 6 and 4 against the spread. I I I know you're more of the um you're more of the mid-major guy, Matt. Um I I I kind of lean New Mexico State, but Every time I try to get in Liberty's way, I get steamrolled. So uh, I'm kind of probably going to stay off this one. Uh, initial gut was to take the points with New Mexico State, but uh, I think ultimately I'm going to stay off this one tonight. I agree. Anytime I've gotten in front of Liberty, I've been I've been beaten badly. So I'm going to stay away from this one as well. All right, Saturday we'll start at noon. Big Twelve. Texas needs style points, and and uh, they are a healthy favorite in this one. Yeah, and, and that's why I took a little bit on the team total. Um, I think there was a 35 out there. It's a lot of 35s and a half. I do think there is that style point you know needed. Um, I think I talked to you over the summer months. I know it all blends together, and I'm sure people weren't just taking notes. But uh, I do have a Texas future to win the conference, so uh, I'm going to sit back and, and not play the spread. But uh, I'm not going to hedge either. I, I think Texas wins this game. You could try to middle it. Uh, I'm not going to because of the style points p- potential. And and look, since Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma and Bedlam, they lost by 42 to UCF. Uh, they were sluggish against Houston, who ultimately fired their head coach and then you know needed overtime to beat BYU. Ollie Gordon's a stud. Uh, Oklahoma State's running back, but you know how well is he going to be able to run against Texas? I think if you were to play this game, I would look at Texas team total over, uh, especially if you can get 35, which uh, I was able to get, and I think there are some spots that might have 35. I think Texas has a chance to, to put up some points, and we saw them do that last week against Texas Tech. Or you can also take Texas over four and a half touchdowns with some, which DraftKings has, uh, which is essentially yeah. 35 as well, but um, that's another way to play it. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I also took uh, Oklahoma State under 20 and a half. I just don't see how they score. If Ollie Gordon's not running, I don't see how they scored uh, against Texas, who needs the style points. All right, Maction. Should be a fun one. Uh, I really lean towards Miami, Ohio here against Toledo. Uh, fast track, though, at Ford Field. 
I took seven and a half. Uh, you could have got eight. Uh, it's starting to come back down. But I really like the under here. It's uh, it's 44, as you mentioned, a fast track, so that always makes you worried uh, because there is no elements there. But look at Miami since they lost Brett Gabbert in October, uh, interestingly enough, against Toledo. Uh, this has been a team that is, is legit defensively, Matt, but uh, really struggles mightily on the offensive side of the ball. So I took under 44 here. I think Chuck Martin, the head coach of Miami, is a pretty darn good coach. Uh, Jason Candle, historically, as a decent-sized favorite, has not been all that successful. Uh, I do like uh, the running back quarterback tandem there in uh, in Toledo with uh, with Daquan Finn. Uh, but I think Miami is going to want to keep this thing low scoring, kind of keep it ugly, uh, trust in their defense. And, you know, I, I don't really have a ton of belief in Miami's offense all that much. So I lean Miami. I took a little bit Miami, seven and a half, which you could still get. But uh, more so, I really like the under, under 44. Yeah, it feels like last year uh, with Ohio and their backup quarterback in the title game, and that game finished 17 to seven. So yeah, I agree. There may not be a lot of points in this one. Uh, uh, your neck of the woods once again, Boise State and UNLV in what should be a very fun Mountain West Championship game. No doubt. I mean, what a, what a unique circumstance, right, where Boise State uh, fires Andy Avalos uh, just a couple weeks ago, and, and Boise State responds by pummeling Utah State and, and beating Air Force. UNLV loses last week against San Jose State, but... Uh, due to tie breaks in the Mountain West, wouldn't have been the same in some other conferences. But Mountain West tiebreaker gave them not only a berth to the playoff or to the championship, but gave them home field. Now I'll say this: uh, a lot of Boise folks are coming to town. Uh, from my understanding, there have been buses loaded up from Boise, which is like an eight nine hour drive. Uh, they are here in uh, in full force. I think this will not be a home field advantage for UNLV. I think it'll be kind of fifty fifty, maybe even a slight lean towards the Broncos. So I do not think you. Should should incorporate home field into your cap of this game. Uh, I think it comes down to, you know, who do you trust more? Uh, UNLV's got, you know, a superstar wide receiver, uh, over 1,300 yards there. But Boise State, with uh, with their tandem of, uh, of, of running backs, I think they're going to be able to run successfully here. Uh, UNLV, best cover team in the country, 10-2 ATS this year. But I look at last week, UNLV very, uh, well, not fortunate, they lost the game. Uh, San Jose State was able to run on them. So I took a short money line price on Boise State. Uh, you can find that, you know, minus 135 at DraftKings. I do think that's uh, the way to look here. So uh, I'm on the Broncos to win this game on Saturday. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an exciting one. Uh, 4 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. We'll pair these two together. The AAC championship game. SMU obviously loses Preston Stone. Uh, they are at Tulane and about a field goal underdog. And then, of course, the Sunbelt championship game, which no one here will be watching because we think it should be JMU. Troy hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Appalachian State. Yeah, quickly on App State, um, that would be the the look uh, I would do, but I would probably I'm probably going to pass that game. I haven't watched the Sun Bolt enough to to have a ton of a uh, opinion on it, but App State since uh, the middle of October has really turned it around. Obviously, they beat James Madison when College Game Day came to town. Um, so I would look App State here. The market would agree it's come down from six and a half down to four and a half. So a little bit look towards App State, but I uh, don't have a play. The SMU two lane game is is really fascinating because as you alluded to, Preston Stone the starting 
quarterback for SMU, Matt. Lost for the season due to an injury against Navy last week. And uh, I think SMU would have closed a favorite against Tulane on the road if uh, Preston Stone was playing. Uh, the kid Jennings is going to step in. I think a three-star recruit. Uh, a little bit of a more of a runner. Uh, Tulane, uh, you know, impressive performance last week. I got to give them credit. Uh, they, they went up against UTSA. They were able to run the ball down their throats. Uh, they are banged up at the wide receiver position. And uh, it's interesting to note, right, this game got as high as six with Preston Stone being out. Uh, but now we're three across the board. So a lot of money uh, coming in here on the ponies. Uh, so we'll see if there's any buy buyback uh, as they get to uh, closer to kickoff. But it has been a, uh, a pony uh, money uh, betting uh, machine so far. And uh, that's that's where we sit at the, at the current price. And then there's a small game also at 4 o'clock uh, between two teams, Georgia and Alabama. Um, I kind of lean to Alabama here, but I don't yeah. love it. What's your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, if, if forced to pick, I would probably, I guess, take the points with Alabama. Uh, you know, Nick Saban as an underdog is uh, doesn't happen often. Um, and the last time he was an underdog, he lost, right, the national championship in the 21 season in January of 22. But that's when Jamison Williams got hurt and uh, tore his ACL. Prior to that, the SEC championship two years ago, uh, they walked in there as a dog and won by 17 points. So uh, I've heard uh, so many different opinions for this game, which is why I love this game, just to watch it as a fan. Uh, I lean Alabama, but I'm going over. Um, you know, history tells us uh, fast track, as you alluded to, in Detroit, fast track in Atlanta. Uh, you look at last year's game, Alabama, or excuse me, Georgia and LSU goes to 80, 50 to 30. Two years ago, Georgia, Alabama, 41, 24. And Georgia's defense those two years was better. And I could argue their offense is now better uh, than it was in 21 and 22. So, um, you know, I, I've, I love hearing differing opinions. Some people I respect like the under in this game some people I really respect like the over in this game I played over 54 uh, it's at 55 now I, I think this could potentially be a, a fun track meet type of game and uh, and I think the final could be in the 30s you know 34 31 somewhere in that ballpark so uh, a lean towards the dog and uh, I, I do like the over here yeah it's pretty funny last year uh, two years ago when they played in the national title game there were five field goals in the first half and then they hit the ground running in the second half so even if it gets off to a slow start and you do like the over you could get a better number in game it feels For like. Sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that is uh, certainly a way to look. And uh, someone else I respect uh, like the under in the first quarter. So if you don't want to play a pre-flop and you want to wait a little bit, we're all going to be watching this game on, on Saturday afternoon. You know, have your app ready. And as soon as it's uh, maybe a sluggish first quarter, bang the over and, and you're fitting with a, sitting with a better number. All right, uh, Michigan and Iowa, I guess we have to discuss this. 35 is the total. You'll get the usual people saying, oh, it's got to go over. It's such a low number, and then it never does in these Iowa games. What's your thoughts on this one? I really want nothing to do with this game, Matt. Um, I I, I don't see a path to victory for Iowa. I really don't. Um, You know... This team, credit to, to Kirk Ferentz for a 10-win season. Way to go. Uh, if there wasn't, if there were no divisions, you wouldn't be in this situation. You played one team worth of salt in the uh, the Big Ten East, and you lost 31 to nothing at Penn State, a team in Penn State that lost to Michigan and Ohio State. So I, I don't, but I also don't think there's a necessarily um, a motivational factor for Michigan to to run up the score. It's not like Texas; they don't need to prove anything. They're in with a win. They've already beaten Ohio State. Uh, so 
I, I, I just, I have a gut feel. It's like 27 to six. And then, you know, that's the final. Uh, and it, it falls right on, you know, the numbers there. Could I see Michigan, you know, relying on the run game and getting some big plays and maybe getting a team total over around 28? Sure. Uh, you know, I've seen some people take under six and a half points, you know, no touchdowns for Iowa under first half. The problem with that is if Iowa, who's been the luckiest team, maybe not the luckiest, but one of the more lucky teams with some certain things going their way with the turnover margin, if they get a bounce their way and they're in field goal range, like, could I see Iowa kicking a field goal in the first half? I could. So I I don't want to mess with such a low total for, like, team totals and stuff like that. If anything, if you forced me to pick and you said you had to make one play, I guess I would go with Michigan team total over uh, because I do think they can mess around and score 31 points on Iowa, uh, you know, just kind of break them and uh, get some short field position. And then last game, ACC championship game. Uh, We don't know what the status is for Tate Rodman. They could be going to their third stringer. Uh, Louisville, I think there's some people who may not still necessarily believe in them. They come off the loss to Kentucky here. Uh, it's going to be in Charlotte. I think there'll be a lot of Florida State fans. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one? I think there's going to be a lot of Louisville fans, too. Uh, they travel quite well. Uh, Weather is not supposed to be great, I believe, uh, down there in Charlotte. I don't know how you guys are expecting uh, tomorrow, but... Uh, you know, ugly, ugly game. I mean, you, you look at a total that's already moved seven points to the under, uh, sitting at 46 and a half. And, you know, one shop out there, the Superbook, which I believe you guys have access to in Virginia, uh, is now at a pick. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to play this game without knowing the quarterback situation. Uh, my initial feel was Louisville. Look, as a, as a college football fan, I want Louisville to win. And that's not a shot at Florida State, how they've played this year. It's a shot at, you know, there's a team without Jordan Travis and a team that had 220 yards of offense on the road against a, let's be honest, a pretty mediocre Florida defense. And they couldn't really do much at all. They couldn't run the ball that well. Tate Rodemaker threw for, you know, just low 100s. And now after that gruesome hit against, Florida, uh, as we saw, and, and surprised that he came back into the game uh, last Saturday night. Now we're getting the news that he's a game time decision. So really hard to play this game without knowing who the quarterback is and 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 the third stringer. Um, you know, who I think was like a four star recruit. I saw some people talking about. Uh, you know, he was the perfect fit for for Mike Norvell's uh, offense or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I can't pretend to sit here and, and say I know a lot about Brock Glenn, the, the third string quarterback for Florida State. Uh, so I heard this stat from Matt Newman's on my uh, podcast, Matt, and uh, that's why I would lean with the, the Cardinals here. Jeff Brom in his career off a loss, 11-0 and against the spread the following week. So Jeff Brom thrives in these types of spots. Uh, I would lean a little bit towards the Cardinals in, uh, in a situation where you just don't know who's playing quarterback for the Knowles on Saturday night. Make sure to check him out on Twitter at one Tim Murray. Check out his college football podcast and uh, everything else he does. Visa in prime time, six to nine p.m. Eastern time. Tim, we will talk to you again next week. Always appreciate it, Matt. See you. All right, uh, that is uh, Tim Murray. We'll take a time out, then we'll jump and talk a little Randolph making football after the break. You're listening to one hundred six one ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. Thanks for listening. Taking you up until 4 o'clock. Randolph Macon on the road as we speak. Getting set for tomorrow at noon as they take on Johns Hopkins, the seventh seed in the upcoming uh, tournament here in the college football. Um, joining us now from uh, Randolph Macon, a part of that offense and uh, part of that special teams as well. Joining us now is JoJo Marinella. JoJo, how's it going? Good, good. How you doing? Doing well. Um, this team, 12-0, and 0, uh, playing really good football. Talk about last week's win and what you thought went really well. 
I mean, I think last week we just all the guys in the team were just super fired up. You know, we came out ready to play. You know, we knew Ithaca was a great team, and we just knew we had to come out and fire on all cylinders. Uh, how much synergy is there between all the units? Obviously, the offense comes out. They score some points. The defense didn't allow any points. The special team's getting involved. How good are all these units right now for Randolph-Macon? I mean, we all have good units across the board. We just have to keep feeding off each other's energy. Special teams make a good play to help the defense. Offense makes a good play to help the defense. I mean, the team game through and through. We need all units to play well. Can you sense as you, in a game like last week, you guys held the ball for 42 minutes as an offense. Can you sense like the opposition just getting really tired and kind of getting defeated because they can't get the ball back? Can I sense it? I mean, it's tough. I mean, we just, I, I just said we have to just play a complete four quarters. I know coach always tells us don't make it about them, always make it about us and just focus on the team, focus on doing our job, making it play by play and everything will work itself out. What's it like for you guys to get everybody's best shot every week? They see how high you are in the standings. They see that little zero in the loss column. You're getting everybody's best shot. What's it like for you guys? I mean, we love it. I mean, this team we have, we got a group of competitors. So, I mean, we want everyone to give us their best shot. Uh, so, you're getting ready for Johns Hopkins tomorrow. What did you see? Uh, what do you notice on film uh, with regards to them? I mean, Hopkins is a great, great team. I mean, they're 12-0. I mean, they got great history, Hopkins, but... I mean, everything about them looks good. We're going to need to play a great game. I mean, it's a great competition. I think our guys are up for the challenge, but they look great on film. You know, they got a high-powered offense, great defense, good special teams unit. Like, this team's the real deal. What's it going to be like for you to play on the road, essentially? I mean, obviously, you guys have been so good at home this season. Now you get to leave Ashland to play this game tomorrow. I mean, it's a challenge, but I think all of our all the guys with us, all the guys taking the trip, I mean, we're, we're ready to go. I mean, we're feeling good. Good week of preparation. I mean, we just have to come out and execute. How much confidence do you guys have in the early script? You've scored touchdowns in the first possession in nine of your 12 games and have outscored the opposition 158-13 to 13 in the first quarter. I mean, that's all, that's all on the coaching staff, Coach Aruz. I mean, our coaches do a great job of putting us in the best possible situation to succeed, so... That's that's all. That's really all up to them, and they're they're doing a great job. Uh, you lead the ODAC with 19 yards per catch. How do you feel like your role in this offense? How how much success do you feel like you have in this role in this offense? I mean, the roles change week to week, but basically, whether I mean, we have an unselfish group, especially at the receiver position. I mean, whether we block or we're catching touchdowns, we're just trying to do whatever we can to help the team win. Uh, Tyke, take us through your process as a punt returner. Obviously, punt returning has to be one of the toughest things to do in football. How do you kind of process everything? Is that balls in the air, deciding whether or not you're going to fair catch or you're going to run that thing? I mean, each week's different. I mean, some kickers are, some punters are rugby style, some punters are three step, but basically watching film on them and then a lot of just preparation, like over the summer, just catching bunches of bunches of punts and a practice, you know, pre practice and a practice. Just going over, just kind of repetition is key when it comes to punt returning, I think. Yeah, and obviously when you see a lefty, I've read a lot about how lefty, left-footed punters are a little bit different than right-footed punters. How does that kind of change things for you? I mean, the ball spins a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, you've got to square up, you know, have high hands and just, just catch the ball because the team's counting on you. Uh, it looks like you're going to get some good weather tomorrow. Obviously, it's not going to be the greatest in terms of temperature. It looks like about 64 degrees, but no wind, no rain. How nice is it to get a late December game where you're not worrying about something like rain or wind? 
Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I'm from Massachusetts, so I mean, coming down here in Virginia, I mean, the weather's been the weather's been awesome. I'm used to the cold, so I'll take. I think it's gonna be 61 degrees. I'll take that any day of the week. How great has this four years been for you, and and how nice would it be to to close things out with a championship? I mean, that'd be that'd be awesome. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, all the guys. That's what we work for each and every day. So I mean, that would be that'd be surreal. I mean, we just have to live in the moment, though. We have Johns Hopkins, like it's a it's a great team. We have to we have to play a great game, but I think all the guys are up to the challenge. How do you think you guys will handle being in a close game if you eventually get in one? You guys have blown everybody out. You've been in a lot of games. You've been up by a lot. How do you think you might handle a close game as a team when you haven't really had one this season? We've got a lot of veteran guys the team, and I know our coaches have been around. I mean, so in the past, we've been in a few dog fights. So, I mean, it's going to come down to leadership. It's going to come down to basically young guys stepping up and everyone just kind of doing their role, doing their job. You mentioned you came from Massachusetts. What attracted you to Randolph-Macon when you originally came to the school? My cousin actually played under Coach Aruza in 2012, and I kind of came down here for a visit and just put that going in the water. I ended up really liking it on my visit, and then it came down, and the rest is history. We just kind of go win games now. And your, and your brother's also on the team? He's a freshman on this team, right? Yes, sir. He's a freshman on the team. So you're just going to keep recruiting guys from your family down here? Yeah, that's, that, that's the goal. I got another little cousin, but he's, he's 10 years old right now, so he's got, he's got some time. Well, uh, JoJo, good luck this weekend. Good luck tomorrow, and hopefully you guys win and keep on going in the uh, playoffs. All right, thank you. Appreciate the call. All right, uh, that is uh, JoJo Marinella of uh, Randolph-Macon. Yeah, he has a brother on the team as well, and that's always good. If you keep winning and if your brother, your big brother's enjoying himself, then he's going to pass things down to the little brother. And then apparently there's another brother coming. So that's all, all fantastic. But um, Randolph-Macon, the statistics are incredible. They're outscoring opponents 331 to 49 in the first half of games. 331 to 49 in the first half. That's ridiculous. That shows a great script for Pedro Aruza. Coming out of the locker room, uh, I mentioned it. First quarter, 158 to 13. Their defense is first in scoring defense in the playoffs and seventh overall, allowing 10.7 points per game. My one worry for Randolph-Macon, and obviously there's not much they can do about it, but like if you look outside of the Christopher Newport game in the first round of the playoffs, everybody, every other game has been a blowout. 51-10, 51-9, 70-14, 59-7, 38-3. Like, there's a lot of large margins in all of these games. So my one worry, if there was to be a worry with this team, which I don't think there really should be, what happens in a close game? What happens if all of a sudden Randolph-Macon is in a close game? Now, they've got the veterans. There's a lot of seniors on this team. But you almost see like some of those teams, like when the Patriots were really good and they got six free victories in the AFC East, like they would go and they would play the playoffs. And, you know, there would be at least a close game along the way to the Super Bowl. But you see it a lot in college basketball, too. You know, Duke plays and, and beats up a lot of teams at home. And then that first true road game, they go and, the, and, and they get punched in the face. And you're like, well, uh, this hasn't happened yet this year. So we'll see what happens with Randolph-Macon if, you know, their first opponent this weekend, Johns Hopkins, comes out and, you know, when Randolph-Macon goes up 21 nothing, and usually teams have kind of disappeared and Johns Hopkins doesn't disappear, how will this team handle it? I think they will, obviously. 
I think they'll definitely handle it. It'll just be interesting to see what happens with regards to um, Randolph-Macon this weekend. Uh, 3270888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. Uh, let's take a timeout. We'll do one final segment. We'll update you on Brett McMurphy's college bowl destinations. Where does he have JMU? Where does he have Virginia Tech? Some of the other state schools. Which bowl games could you be heading to as we find out this weekend? You're listening to 1061 ESPN. For the Dallas Cowboys all season is 1061 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. One zero six one ESPN. Matt Joseph's here. Final segment for the week. Uh, don't forget tomorrow we got a Spider doubleheader here on the uh, station. The uh, Spider football team will take on Albany, and the Spider basketball team has William and Mary. One is at six. The other is at noon. So chances are, if you're a Richmond fan, you'll be hearing a lot tomorrow on our airwaves. Uh, don't forget, Holiday Cheering Gear is coming up uh, December 11th at the new Henrico Sports and Events Center. Bob and I will be out there. We'll be accepting live. Uh, we'll be broadcasting live. Accepting new sporting equipment to benefit the Salvation Army Christian uh, Christmas Assistance Program. Drop by new basketballs, new footballs, uh, new baseball gloves, anything sports-related. Uh, for tickets and information, check out uh, HenricoSEA.com because after us, there'll be a women's basketball game between VCU and Delaware. Also this weekend, uh, starting today, is the American Corn Lo- Cornhole League Open, also out at the Henrico Sports and Events Center. Uh, joining us now to tell us a little bit more is uh, Kat Kennedy-Halbert, uh, the American Cornhole Association Commissioner. Uh, Kat, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Doing well. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, the event this weekend and the uh, and the league as a whole. So the American Cornhole League has been around for a good while. We do tournaments all over the country. We have different levels of tournaments. What we're doing this weekend in Richmond is called our Open Tournament, which is our largest attended tournament. It houses players from your backyard intermediate player all the way up to a pro level player um so are there different divisions are there different age levels for an event like this so there's no different age levels our motto is anyone can play anyone can win we actually have an 11 year old that's a professional cornhole player so we do have different levels though there's an intermediate skill level a competitive an advanced and an open which an open is kind of like your broad range of your top elite players uh, so how do teams advance this weekend? Is it part of like an overall larger championship? Like, What's the scope of this kind of event? So I guess you can kind of scale us to kind of like how a golf does, right? You create points all through the season, and then they just accumulate towards the end, and then you're seeded, and we have our overall world championships at the end of the season. So this is just a points tournament. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about the ACL uh, in terms of how long has it been around um, and when did it become more of like this big league and, you know, having a lot of people who are very serious about cornhole? So the ACL has been around for around years and we are 
You ever seen Cornhole on TV? Oh, yeah, of course. That is us. Um, so Cornhole has been growing over and over um, throughout the years. We're getting bigger and better across, I mean, spans of time, right? Um, you never, the goal is the Olympics. So our goal is to be there one day, right? That's what everyone wants to be. That's the ultimate goal. Oh, of course. And uh, if somebody's listening and they may want to participate in an event or get more information, uh, what's the website they can go and look for? So they can either come up to the Henrico Sports and Event Center. Um, in, we keep registration open up until an hour before we start. So they can do that, or they can go to iplaycornhole.com, and on our schedule tab, open number five, we'll give you all the details you need. Um, how has Richmond Region Tourism helped you guys out in terms of uh, getting an event like this here and getting it at the you know the brand new Henrico uh, Center that you guys are, are are playing at? So Gerald over at Richmond Tourism has been absolutely fantastic. I'm actually originally from Mechanicsville, so I saw this facility being built and I was super excited. I was like, I'm waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. I knew it would be perfect for us. Um, so the minute it came about. We connected with them. Megan here at the facility got me in touch with Gerald, and they have been a huge help. Um, if you catch our live stream on the ACL Facebook page this weekend or our YouTube or ACL TV, you'll actually see Visit Richmond's banner as well as their logo on our board. They've been a massive help in bringing us to the area. Cornhole has a huge economic impact for the city just because of the fact that everyone comes from everywhere. The majority of your players are coming from California or Massachusetts or Florida or Texas, they're literally coming from all over the country. We, we actually have a Canadian player I saw this morning. Oh, wow. That's 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 a long way uh, from home for them. Uh, so, uh, we give, are growing. Give uh, give everybody the website one more time so they can check out and get some more information about the uh, the event this weekend. I play cornhole. D-O-R-N-H-O-L-E dot com. All right, Kat, we will certainly check things out this weekend, Friday through Sunday at the Henrico Sports and Events Center. Uh, thanks so much for giving us some time. Thank you. All right, uh, that is Kat Kennedy-Halbert uh, of the American Cornhole Association and, of course, one of the many events that have come by uh, courtesy of the uh, Richmond Region Tourism Group that we uh, partner up with. Uh, thanks to our guests today, JoJo Marinella of uh, Randolph-Macon, and uh, thanks to uh, Tim Murray of VEASAN. Uh, he joins us every 3.15 on Friday to preview the major sporting events of the weekend. That will do it for the show. Thanks to Lewis for all of his hard work. As I said, no Bob today. He will be back next week week as will I 3 to 4 here on 1061 ESPN